Ronald Wilson Reagan was not a perfect man. And of course, in many ways, he was a great leader. If you would have told those, if you would, if, if you had told those of us who were growing up in the 60s that the Berlin Wall would be torn down and communism would collapse in on itself, we would have dismissed you as best naive and probably insane. But Reagan saw what needed to happen, what could happen, and how it needed to happen. And Ronald Reagan led the way for that. You know, and as I'm reading this, this is something that someone else wrote because I wasn't there in the 60s. And honestly, I don't know the full life of Ronald Reagan. But you know what? As I read this, this article, it spoke to me that Ronald Reagan had a vision. He knew what could happen, how to do it, and he led the way to do it. And that told me that good leadership produces good results. Because Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States and led this nation. And bad leadership produces bad results. And since leadership works to get great results, we need to define, develop, and deploy great leaders. So this evening, I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Are You a Leader? Are you a leader this evening? Because the church today needs to understand what makes great, what makes a great leader in God's eyes. Not in the eyes of the world, not in the eyes of people or your peers, but what makes a great leader in the eyes of God. Because people could see someone and say, you know what, that's not a great leader. Because they are defining leadership as their own definition through their own eyes. But in the eyes of God, how does He see a great leader? And what are the qualities of a great leader? Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rise up leaders that will impact the world even much more than what Ronald Reagan did. Because they will be winning spiritual battles and producing eternal outcomes, not just temporary political ones. Because you see the life of every president, every president that's come and gone, they've made achievements. They've won battles, they won victories, they won political agendas. And they're just temporary because come here comes the next president and reverses everything the previous one has done. You know what? As believers, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't just win earthly battles, but we win spiritual battles, eternal battles. That our job as believers is to win souls, but ultimately build a foundation. Yes, on Jesus Christ, as we understand, yes, Christ is the foundation of our faith. But on that foundation, we build leaders as well. We build men and women to rise up for the kingdom of God, to win souls. That is one of the reasons that we go out there and we street preach. Because we are building something in people. We're winning souls. They're experiencing something that they've never done before. 
But before you could become a great leader, you have to learn how to follow. Many people want to come into the kingdom and just lead right away. Pastor, I'm called to preach. Let me preach. Can I preach Sunday? Or I'm going to play the drums. Let me, let me play the drums. Or let me do this. Or let me do that. They right away want to take off, which is awesome. But first you have to learn how to follow. But many tend to try to circumvent that aspect. It's not just in the church world. That could be in anywhere. Anywhere, even at work. You get hired on the first day and say, hey, I could run the show. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Tells us, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Listen, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening, dear God. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives and everything that you would continue to do, dear God. What is seen and what is unseen, dear God. I pray that you would anoint, dear God, the message this evening, dear God. Lord, that you would speak more than what I have to say, dear God. Lord, that you would lead your people this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, this is a powerful scripture. It says, this is Paul. Man, people, people debate, you know, theologians debate if Paul really wrote Hebrews. And many will say Paul did write it because the style of the way Hebrews is written. Paul said, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. But listen, this is very important. It says, consider the outcome of their way of life. Look at their life and imitate their faith. Because in the process of becoming a great leader, you have to replicate what is seen and what is taught. And what is it that is taught and what is it that you see is what's done in the Bible. It's prayer. That's why we have prayer. Before each and every service. Because Jesus prayed. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. That's why we come and we lay a hold of God before every service. Not just in church, but also in the home. In our private time. To say, you know what? I'm going to set aside 30 minutes to pray. I'm going to set aside 10 minutes to pray. But you begin to establish something. Soul winning. That's why the disciples went from town to town. Jesus went town to town preaching to the multitudes. They're winning souls for the kingdom of God. That's why we have outreach. is because we understand there are souls out there. People that are struggling. People that are bound by drugs. Addicted. Looking for answers. Looking for... They might not even be addicted to anything. But they're just depressed. They're angry. They're lost. They're... Filled with all kinds of issues in their life. Maybe their lost child has consumed their life. That they just feel heartbroken. We go out there and we win these souls for Christ. What is seen and what is taught. Reading your word. Reading the Bible is crucial. It's very important to read your Bible. To sit down and read. And I understand sometimes we have... Busy lives, we all do. We're consumed with so many things. We're getting pulled here, we're getting pulled there, and this and that. To say, you know what, I'm just going to read even a chapter. 
So you know what? I'm going to read one chapter. God, give me the understanding to receive what you have for my life. God, just speak to me in this one chapter. I'm not saying sit down and read your whole Bible and you have to read it upside down. and You know what I mean? No, just read one chapter. God, what is it that you want me to receive? Taking initiative. We have to take initiative in the kingdom of God. That if you see a need to say, you know what, I'm going to feel that need. I remember when I first got saved and I saw my pastor doing stuff. Hey, pastor, what do you need help with? Can I do this? Can I do that? Because I understood where I wanted to be. Understood, man, this is a church of God. Hey, pastor, can I help this? Can I help that? Picking up pro, pastor, can I go help pick up people? I see a new person come in. I will take initiative. Hey, would you like to go get something to eat? Serving others. People are like, oh. oh like, we serve others. What did Jesus say? I didn't come to be served, but to serve. You know, I saw that picture of Jesus breakdancing. He's serving these people. Like, that's not what it means. <laughs> He's like, I came to serve people, man. No, that's not what it's talking about. We serve others. We always want to be served. You know, it's when we have kids. It's like, man, once they get older, man, I'm going to have them serving me all the time. Hey, go give me this. Go give me that. <laughs> Not undermining authority. Well, that's a big one right there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you understand what undermining means, it's an illustration of a castle wall. This big castle. Back in the times, it was a castle. It had a fortress. You know that how they had that, what is it called? The moat around but to undermine means to, to weaken the walls. Say this is one, and you begin to dig under the wall. What happens is that you're insidiously weakening, weakening the wall that you're digging under to make it collapse. And that, what, that, that is what happens in the kingdom of God. The scripture says, remember leaders, imitate their faith. Do you know what people say? You know what? I want to undermine their authority. I've seen this happen. You come in here and see me. Oh, how long have you been a pastor? Oh, I've been a pastor for like six months. And they began to just boom, 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 boom. They're trying to undermine your authority. You know what? God has placed us here. Listen, Jesus Christ didn't place us here for no reason. Whether or not people validate us, God has already done that. You know, and I experienced this earlier. And morning service, ask, ask Pastor Camilo, man, they was packed out with Dodge trucks. Oh, man, these all these people were over there. And, you know, and right away, my instinct, soul winning. I was like, man, we go out there in outreach and we walk down these neighborhoods and we're laboring and it's hot and we're knocking on doors. I was like, God, you have brought the people to me. And so I go out there, I grab a sack of flyers and I began to go out there and people are looking at me like, you know, because they try to undermine who you are. They try to look down on you. I was like, hey, man, let me tell you. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. And you just feel this resistance. I was saying, Pastor Camilo, afterward, man, you feel this spirit of hate. Of hate. People are looking down on you. Like if you're some kind of peasant or something. But you know what? And I'm thinking in my mind, man, whether you believe it or not, God, the, the God Almighty who spoke this world into creation is here with us. 
Because great leaders know their mission. Know their mission. And are unalterably committed to achieving it. No matter what, they're committed to achieving what their mission is. Look, there's nothing in this world that can shift me from accomplishing my mission. How did Ronald Reagan do it? He remained unwavering under such a harsh and prolonged assault by his own countrymen, as well as foreign enemies. His own countrymen were against him. You can't do this. This is impossible. There's no way that you could bring down the wall. There's no way that communism will fall. Look at where they're at. Even foreign enemies said, you know, that's impossible. But Ronald Reagan said, you know what? I know what I want to do. And I know how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to stick to it no matter what. And as believers, when we give our life to Christ, we have to say, you know what? I'm going to lead my family. I want to make this happen no matter what happens in my life. Because when I first gave my life to Christ, I had to go through it. I went through some difficult things, but I said, you know what? I'm going to lead my family and all hell will break loose. Car will break down. This will happen. All chaos. All hell will break loose in the house. So you know what? We're going to go to church, man. We're going to be there. Because you know what? I'm committed to achieving what God has placed upon my life. That he knew his mission. He was steadfastly committed to achieving it. And he refused to be paralyzed by fear. You think about this. Imagine hearing all this stuff. And maybe even in your life. Oh, you're Christian now. Hey, it's a matter of time before you'd be back. Oh, you really think you're going to live for God? You really think God's going to do this? And you begin to hear all these voices in your life. Trying to deter you from what God has for your life. You know what happens many times is that will paralyze your walk. That fear will grasp your life. Listen, in the middle of the pandemic, that's why a lot of people don't. They're, fear, they're gripped by fear. Well, what happens if I go to church and I die? What happens if I go to church and I get the Rona and I die? But yet people are at work 70 hours a week. They're 7 o'clock on the dot. They're already there. You know, I, I go to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm a working pastor. I have a job. Mm, I'm there at 5 in the morning. And these people are there way before. At 4. Hey, come on, dude. Come on, we need to punch in. I'm like, bro. And this is from so-called believers. Bro, where were you at yesterday? Uh, 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 just hurry up, man. Open the door. You know, pastor, if I go to church, you know... Hey, I, I got to listen to the city. They, they said that we cannot gather more than 10. How many people are you running? Bro, it's coming to church, man. There's about 50 people here at work. Yet you're here faithfully. Listen, then with a passion, he communicated the mission and strategy for his success. But if you allow fear to consume your life, that will crumble your walk with God. Look, this is Ronald Reagan. You see what he did, but the Bible has a better example for us. That is Jesus Christ, who was committed to achieving his mission. Just look at the life of Christ and what he accomplished. That he came into this world to save sinners, to save those that are lost, to defeat Satan, 
and to have the victory for his church, he allowed nothing to deter him. He didn't allow anything to throw him off. Say, you know what? You know what? I don't want to go to the cross after all. The dread of the cup of suffering. We see it at the Garden of Gethsemane. But he went through with it. That he had the fearsome challenge of facing a horrible death. He knew what he was going to face. He knew what he was going to go through. Listen, Jesus was 100% man as well. He felt emotions. He felt feelings. He felt sorrow. The Bible says the shortest... Hey, you know, you could ask someone, what's the shortest scripture in the Bible? Jesus wept. I got it, man. I know my Bible. (laughs) Jesus had emotions. He cried. He felt anguish, sorrow. He felt fear. Then he knew what he would encounter, but he said, you know what? Regardless, I'm still going to go to the cross. I'm still going to face this horrible death. Well, this is Jesus. We see, I don't know, I've shared, we see the passion of Christ. What if that would have been you? Take Jesus out because, oh, yes, Jesus. Okay, put yourself in that position. What would you have done? How would you have, how would you have responded? How would you respond if you faced those challenges Jesus did? Would you have given up? Or you would have said, you know what, I'm going to go through it. Even though I know I'm going to lose my life. They're going to rip the beard off my face. I think what you, my wife is like, hey, baby, you have a hair. And she pulls it out. I'm like, ah! ah and I'm on the floor rolling around. She's like, oh, man, you, you little whip. I'm like, dude, that hurt. Yeah, come on. Imagine the beard off his face. Put the crown of thorns. They whipped him. Do, do a study. On how they tortured Jesus. They ripped the flesh off his body. We get little, little splinters on him. We pull out and we're like, oh, I'm dying. Call 911, I'm dying. <laughs> but what if you would have faced those challenges? But it's that kind of focus and passion that has to consume anyone who has decided to follow Christ. As their Lord and Savior. You have to have that passion of Christ. That same passion that would lead him to his death. That has to consume anyone that has decided to follow Jesus Christ. As soon as you say, I want to follow Christ. You have to be filled with that passion. We want to imitate all these kind of things. Imitate that. Imitate that focus. Imitate that passion. Great leadership requires an understanding of our mission and an unyielding commitment of faithfulness to it. That's that's the biggest one, faithfulness. That's an issue that many people have as being faithful. But great leadership requires an understanding of the mission. What is the great commission? What is the great mission of the Bible? It's to go... And win lost souls. Jesus said, go ye into the world. An unyielding commitment of faithfulness. 
That no matter what happens, you have to remain faithful through all trials, through all tribulations, through the good and the bad, through all temptations, we have to be remained faithful to the things of God. That neither self-promotion, nor self-preservation, nor pride, nor fear should de deter a leader from faithfully fulfilling the mission. That we must continually reproduce ourselves by making disciples who have an unquenchable passion for Christ. And we are called to reproduce what God is building in us. Listen, Jesus had his 12 disciples. What did those disciples do? They went and they replicated what was taught to them by Jesus. And those did that and they kept replicating that and this is why we are here this evening because we have seen we read throughout the Bible what Jesus did and what the disciples did and we said you know what? we're going to replicate that we're going to come in here and it's not it's not about self-promotion I'm not here like oh I'm going to go to a seminary and I'm gonna, this is my ministry this is my we're going to build this and we're going to pack it out and you know what no it's not about that it's about replicating what we see in the Bible about making disciples, men and women who would have an unquenchable passion for Christ, who understand who Jesus is. But in order to find out who Jesus is, you have to be in your word. You have to be praying. You have to be reading. Through that, you would understand the power of soul winning. You understand, man, time is short. Time is short. We have to go reach the lost souls. We have to be out there because they're not coming in. Look at these empty chairs. Look at these empty chairs. That these chairs should be filled with lost souls. Not people that come in bring in all their religions. No, lost souls who don't know a lick about the gospel, but to say, you know what? Jesus can change your life. Come on. We're out. That's when I saw all the. Man, I felt like a sheep amongst wolves. I went out there, you know, there I am with my sack of flour, and people already looked at me like, who's this dude coming over here? And I'm just. I'm going in the confidence of Christ. I'm not going in my name. I'm not there trying to promote my business or this or that. I'm there to win souls for Christ. And that's why they're looking at me like, what do you want, Pedro? And I, my name's not Pedro. Get out of here. You know, I'm here to win souls for Christ. You know, and I'm sharing my testimony. I was saying, come here. Like one dude's like, ha ha, man. Man, that's what's up, man. Man, that's all. Like, share my testimony as if me doing drugs is an awesome, cool thing. Trying to portray this image. I'm like, look, bro. The, the true reality is that we're all humans. We all cry. We all go through emotions. We go through this. We feel lonely. We feel depressed. And you just... Like, look, bro. There's hope for you. I'm not here to condemn, to bash. But there's hope in Jesus Christ. My goal is that they would come in, be saved, and say, you know what? There's souls out there to be saved. That they would have an unquenchable passion for Jesus Christ. That we would execute our specific responsibilities as a Christian leader in the task, initiative that has been entrusted to us. Christ has entrusted His Word to us. Get your brand new car and give it to your child. Heck no, man. I won't even give my hoopty to my kid. You know what? God says, you know what? I've given you my word. I've entrusted 
you with something so sacred. This is the true and living Word of God. Everything else is false. This is the only true and living Word of God. And He has given this to us. That great leaders take care of their people. As God builds His church, He's going to bring new people into the church that are going to need our help. God's going to bring people that are going to need rights. Hey, Pastor, I'm going to have a ride. And take fellowship with them. Inviting them to some to get something to eat. That's going to bring someone, a new person. Everybody, hey, man, would you like to go grab something to eat? Even if you don't even have the right, you know what? Let's go make a sandwich. Don't invite, you know, if you're a guy like, hey, hey what's up, good man? Let's go fellowship, man. Let's go make a sandwich. Man. No, 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 no. It's not what we do. Or ladies, you see this guy walk in, and you know, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were like, yeah, man. I'm like, hey, sister, chill. Not even a sister, but hey, lady, chill, man. Like, calm down. <laughs> About to pour some ice water on her. <laughs> chill. Uh, lady, God brings someone in here and be like, Oh, I'm called to I'm called to the men discipleship class. No, you're not. <laughs> men with men, women with women. That's how we do things. To that protection, and inviting them something to eat, having them over for dinner. You know, you know, I want to invite you and your family over to dinner. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. You know, I invite you to conchas and coffee, like I say. <laughs> you know, we're gonna make some hot pockets. But you know what? We're going to have a good time. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to play gestures or we're going to play, you know, something. It's about the fellowship. Being there for one another. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be your job to fill that gap. I'm running around this person, that person here. Hey, man, this, that. But it takes the church to reach these lost people. It's going to be your job to fill that gap. To pray for those that God will bring in to the church. We have to pray for these people. You could look around and see people that have come and gone. Have you prayed for these people? Have you followed up on them? Hey, pastor, give me that girl's number. No, I'm not giving that girl's number. You're crazy. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, pastor, give me his number. I want to follow up. Make sure he's okay. No, he's fine. <laughs> She's like, yeah, he is fine. <laughs> Listen, Jesus prayed for the disciples. We have to pray for those that God will bring in. Even those that don't, even those that haven't come, come in. We go outreach all the time. Pray. If, if you understand you work, you have a job, you're not able to make it. But say, you know what? God, I pray right now as pastor and the church go out to outreach that you would touch souls, God. That you would be with him, God. That you would bring these souls into the kingdom of God. John chapter 17, verse 14 through 11. Tells us, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them. For they are not of the world anymore. Than, than I am of the world. My prayer is not you take them out of the world. But that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Listen to the prayer 
of Jesus for the disciples. Many, many times you hear people say, oh, I'm, I'm saved. Now I want to buy this property and I want to move out to the country and get away from the world because the world's so wicked. No, Jesus said, I'm not asking to take them out of the world. No, that you would protect them because their job is to reach the lost souls, to go out there. So don't take them out, but protect them. Sanctify them by the truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. Jesus prayed for the disciples. Listen, can Jesus see you as trustworthy? Can he see you as trustworthy? That the Lord takes care of his people, and we should too. We're not exempt. Well, Pastor, I've only been saved 30 minutes. You're not exempt either, because now you have heard the truth. You've heard his word. Bible says his word is truth. But you know what happens many times because of the because of our selfish bit nature? It is a serious challenge to do so from our hearts. We're selfish nature. That is our nature. What's the first word a kid learns? Mine. Mine. You get something, no, 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 mijo, give it, not mine. It's in us. We're born with that. Maybelline, she's born with it. <laughs> no, it, that's why it's an issue to do it from our hearts and to do it in the right way. We see someone, we see a need, and we just like, oh, man, I didn't see it. I, I don't see that need. I'm just going to pretend I didn't see that. You know, this brother's looking around like, man, someone offered me a ride. And you're like, oh, man. You dip out like, no, nah, man, that's going to inconvenience me. Because it is our selfish nature. Do you know what? Satan is at war, at war with God's people. It's always an ongoing, ongoing battle. You know, as, as believers, sometimes we let the, the, our foot off the pedal. Say, you know what, I don't feel like being a Christian today. But you know what, the devil never stops being the devil. We could stop being a Christian, but the devil will never stop being the devil. And he is always at war with you. It's not going to stop. Don't think now because you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you speak in tongues. Oh, the devil's not going to mess with me. No, he's going to attack you even more. I've always said, I've always heard, new levels bring new devils. As you grow, the salts are going to be different. I'm not... I don't get assaulted like I did when I first got saved. Now my assaults are different. But you know what? I persevere. I push forward. So you know what? I'm going to allow this to hinder me. I'm going to allow this to paralyze me. Because he is trying to keep leaders from caring for them as they should. That spiritual warf war warfare is the reality in which we live in. It's true. It's real. Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in high places. But once you come out of that dark place, once God brings you out of that dark place, how quickly things shift. Things shift to those that were there once for you. You know, you're struggling and all this stuff is going on in your life. God brings you out and those that were there for you, you no longer need them. I got this on my own, man. I don't need the church anymore. I got this. 
Those that were there for you, you no longer need them or you see them as less value in your eyes. Where you once saw them, now they're just like... And you find it difficult to help others. Listen, this is many times, this is the reason why people leave the church. That once God begins to move in your life, God's moving in your life. You know, you're no longer where you're at. God's moving. This is happening. And you say, you know what? I'm doing better. I don't need the church anymore. I got this now. You know, now I'm staying on float. Now I, I could take things over. It's like the illustration where I share with the guy swimming. He's swimming. God, I'll give you this much. I'll give you 80% of everything that I have. Then he's getting closer. He's like, you know what? God, I'll give you 10%. Then he finally was about to make it to shore. And he said, you know what, God? I got it from I got it from here. I don't need you anymore, God. This is why you meet people who say, I only need Jesus. I don't, need that. I don't go to church. I don't do the whole church thing, man. It's only me and Jesus. And that's it. Or I don't go to church for X, Y, Z. All that does is leave and limbo those who don't have any hope. You know, they see this happening and new people come in and, hey, what happened, man? And you know, that just throws people off. But you have to stick it through and fight. You have to stick it through. You have to fight through everything that happens in life. Thirdly, great leaders intentionally produce other leaders. Listen, this is why I preach this. Great leaders intentionally produce other leaders. This is, our, this is the vision of God. Is that make the, He says make disciples. Make disciples. So what are we going to do in this church? Make disciples. I've said it many times and I'll say it a thousand other times. We're going to plant a church. But man, I was reading a, a testimony from one of our leaders. He said he got saved three years. He was already planted Pioneer in the church. I'm like, three years? I was like, praise God. You know what? This dude, got, he had it. He understood God's word. Said, you know what? I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to commit myself 100% to the vision of the Bible. And I'm going to stick to it no matter what. Three years, he was already pioneering the church with his family. I'm like, God, bring someone in that would have that zeal, that would have that vision to say, you know what? Pastor, I want to, I'm called to preach. Me and my family, we will pioneer a church. We will go out there and win a city for Jesus Christ, maybe a nation. Now you can say, God, where would you want me to go? God, I'm willing to go. I will be unwavering. I will be determined to accomplish the mission there. Oh my God, bring these people. Our vision is within the next five years, ten years, we would plant churches. That people would say, Converse, that's that city that plants churches into other nations, into other cities. Because what is Converse known for? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what Converse is known for. Whataburger. All it's known for is that that Whataburger on Walsham is always packed. Where you live at, Converse? Oh, that Whataburger that's always packed. That, man, that thing is packed 24-7. I come early in the morning to, to pray. Well, on Saturdays. Don't show up tomorrow because I'm not going to be at work. Yeah, I pass by and that Whataburger is packed out. I'm like, dang, dude, these people must hate your job. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot what today works there. Yeah. That place is always packed. See, I lost my train of thought now. Now I'm thinking about Warthberg. <laughs> yeah, get saved, love Jesus, man. That's my main point. 
Listen, in, in November 1965, oh yeah, plant churches. Remember, plant churches, 10 years, plant churches. That might be you. Pray about that. God, where would you have me to go? And we'll send you. I'm not married, man. We'll find you a husband or, or a wife or whatever, and we'll send you out. Back to my sermon. This is why I preached this. In November 1965, Lieutenant Colonel Harold uh, Moore Jr., and the U.S. 70 Cavalry 1st Battalion were engaged in one of the opening battles of the Vietnam War. Listen, man, this is a crazy, powerful story. Surrounded by an estimated 4,000 North Vietnamese regulars at a jungle clearing called Landing Zone X-Ray, Moore's 450 soldiers were taking sheer fire from all sides. Even with periodic American air support, his outnumbered troops faced annihilation. Moore was determined that his men would survive. However, he directed a heroic defense in what proved to be one of the fiercest battles of the war. He and his soldiers repulsed repeated assaults and inflicted severe casualties on the enemy until his battalion was finally relieved by reinforcements. The dramatic story is told in the 1992 bestseller, We Were Once Soldiers and Young, which was made into an acclaimed motion picture. <clears throat> Moore won the Army's highest award, the Distinguished Service Cross, and eventually rose to the rank of Lieutenant General. He was renowned for his superb leadership skills. A scene in the movie captured his foresight, listen, and grasp of leadership principles when Moore's character confronted a squad leader who had been unceremoniously killed in a training exercise. Listen to what he says. Like here, this is what's describing. This guy died. It was a training accident. <clears throat> This guy is dead on the floor, and this is what Captain Moore tells him. He goes over to his dead body and he says, You are dead. Now who do you have ready to take your place? Now I read that, I was like, God, if I was dead, who would take my place? The scene reflects both the reality of warfare... And the third point, that great leaders always prepare to reproduce and multiply themselves. That great leaders always prepare to reproduce and multiply themselves. Paul had Timothy. 1 Timothy, verse, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth. But be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Listen to what Paul's telling Timothy. Let no man, let no man despise that you. That Paul was being, I mean, Timothy was being despised. But he said, be an example to the believers in word, the way you speak, in your conversations. In charity, meaning in your love, in your spirit and faith and purity. 
No, as I'm as I'm reading this scripture, I'm like, shame on those, shame on them that made young Timothy feel this way. You know what? This is the sad reality that is still happening. Rather, to encourage Timothy, they were discouraging him. Instead of trying to build young Timothy up in the ways of God, they were discouraging him. If you do a study on who Timothy was, Timothy was leading people older than him. Rather to encourage him and say, you know, praise God, you're young, you're on fire, you have the zeal, this passion, we're going to help you, Timothy. Anything that you need, we will fill that gap. We will take initiative. We have your back 100%, Timothy. You need us to clean the church, Timothy? We will be there. Let me know. You need this, Timothy? We are there, Timothy. How can we lessen the load on you? That wasn't what's happening. You know what was happening? I'm not calling you pastor. Timothy. No, you're little Timothy. You're not a pastor. Who do you think you are? I've lived longer than you have. When I got saved, you're, you're still in the womb. You weren't even existing. I've been in the faith longer than you, Timothy. What can you teach me? I could just imagine what these people were young, telling young Timothy. And here's young Timothy, probably heartbroken, discouraged, reaching out to Paul. Paul, man, what do I do? He said, no. You continue to be an example to them. Instead of sharing knowledge with them, instead of saying, you know, I'm not calling you. You know what, young Timothy? God has anointed you to this position. You were placed here by God, and we're going to back you. You want to actually, Timothy, as I'm reading God's word, you know, here's some knowledge. Here's some insight that God has revealed to me. I'm going to help you, young Timothy. I'm willing to back you up with anything that you need, Timothy. We are here for you. Willing to lessen the load on you, Timothy. But instead of lessening the load, they made his position much more difficult. And here Paul tells Timothy, regardless of everything that you're facing, you continue to walk in these Christ-like mannerisms. You continue to walk in the faith, Timothy. John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love have no man than this. Then a man laid down his life for his friends. If you see a need, fill it. Don't place it on someone else. That you lay your life down for the gospel. Lay your life down for those who God has brought in. And those are he's going to bring in. You're probably looking around like, think about God's going to bring people. God's going to continue it's going to be a revolving door, but to have your mind made up to say, you know, whoever God brings in, we're going to be there to help them, to facilitate their walk, to help them advance in the kingdom of God. Maybe I'm not contemplating, but you know what? Maybe this person is, and we're going to help them go out there. Maybe I'm not contemplating, but you know what? I'm willing to support the mission work. I could support financially to send couples. You know what, this is a church planning church. We're, you know what, I'm not called to go out there. But you know what, I'm called to be a pillar and to support the works that are going out there. And we could say, you know, I'm a believer, but have you followed up on anyone? 
How about that? Those, not just people that come into the church. You know someone that's going through something. Have you called them and said, hey man, is everything okay? How are you doing? How is everything going on in your life right now? Is there anything that you need help with? How are you doing on groceries? You need something, man? I don't have much, but you know what? I could take you sandwich stuff. You know what I mean? Anything. This is what's required to advance the gospel. I close with this. A man asked an artist, how do you make such beautiful things from stone? He replied, beauty is already hidden there. I just remove the extra stone. That leadership is already within you. You are already a leader. You just have to remove all the extra junk. I like every head bowed, every eye closed this evening. And reverence to God. This evening, God has called you to greatness. God has called you to something beyond what your mind can imagine. That God has already placed those qualities within you. That you are called to greatness. Each one of you has a tremendous purpose. A tremendous calling has great destiny. You know, our life is filled with all kind of junk, filled with extra stone. Like this artist said, you know, I just remove all the extra stuff because beauty is already there. You could look at your life and say, well, I don't see it. Well, you know, it is there. Because God has created you in his image. If you could just wrap your mind around that. That you are created in the image of God. But you know what? The devil will try everything to derail you from that reality. To make you think I'm not worthy. How can I save lost souls if I'm struggling myself? But you have to have your mind made up. So you know what, regardless of what happens in the world, what happens in my life, I will be unwavering. I will not allow anything to paralyze me. I will not allow the fear of the unknown to paralyze and cripple my walk with you, Jesus. I'm ready to surrender everything to you, God. I don't know what the future holds, but what I do know is that you are on the throne. And you care for your people. And you will protect your people. You will protect me. Because Jesus loves, loves you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Maybe this evening, you've never been honest with God. This evening, you want to make an honest decision. Maybe this is your first time truly giving your life to Jesus. You want to come before God's throne and say, Jesus, I'm ready to be serious with you. I'm ready to give my life to you. 
That is you just with an uplifted hand as a sign to God saying, Jesus, here I am. I'm ready to be serious with you. I'm ready to give you my life. Maybe you feel in your heart that you've stepped away from the calling of God. In your heart, you feel like you've backslidden. So you know what? I know what's right. I know the truth. I know what I need to do, but yet I don't do it. The Bible says that is a greater sin than those that don't know the truth. That is to be in rebellion with God. But you say, you know what? God, I'm ready. I'm ready to be serious. I'm ready to come back to your kingdom. I'm ready to give you my life, Jesus. I'm ready to reestablish my life with you. I want to fill the gap. I want to take initiative. I want to fill the needs out there, dear God. I want to win lost souls. That is you just with an uplifted hand saying, Jesus, that's me. I want to reestablish my life with you. Hallelujah. Then I'm going to change the order of the service this evening. I want to open these altars for a time of prayer. If God dealt with you, if God dealt something with you, come to the altar, bring it before God. Maybe God ministered something different. Maybe God spoke to you about something going on in your life and you want to come before God's altar and say, God, I bring this before you. Help me in this need, God. I need help in this area of my life. That is at the altar that we establish this. I preached this morning, it is at the altar where we make a covenant with God, a promise, a vow. Is when Noah provided the sacrifice, built an altar, God met him and established his covenant. When open these altars, I encourage you, come to the altar. Don't allow anything to hold you back. You slide out of your seat and say, you know what, God, here I am. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, about you and Jesus Christ. And open these altars for the rest of us. We're going to stand to our feet as we sing the song. These altars are open. We're going to sing, This is my desire. These altars are open. Yes, God, we thank you, dear God. God, I pray right now, dear God, for my sister, dear God. I find every strategy of hell, dear God. Lord, I pray. God, I pray a hedge of protection, dear God. Lord, that you would move powerfully, dear God. God, that you would move, dear God. I find a strategy of hell. 